Good evening from Plugkit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with episode 524 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for Sunday, March 31st, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Asus customers are under attack, Google customers are under surveillance, and Apple customers are under pressure to subscribe. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, um, on any of our live stream partners like Livestream.com, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Periscope, Twitch, or Mixer, uh, on any of our syndication partners, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, uh, the myriad of others like Spotify or TuneIn Radio. Uh, of course, on our website, plugkitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Uh, however, whoop, I just did that a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> there are two ways that you can join us. The first is live on Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern Time uh, by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the studio during the show and give us uh, your take on the topics as we talk about them, uh, whether it be... Uh, any of the, the four F5 Live or, of course, the Pilch Point topic, which we always like to get feedback on. And tonight we'll be talking about the uh, the product category that just will not die uh, in computers. And uh, so we'll be talking about that in a little bit. We love to get your feedback. Uh, but if you can't join us live, that is okay. Uh, you can always subscribe. Like I said, pluggitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you will see all of the different ways, uh, whether it be Apple or Google or any of the other uh, platforms, you can see all the ways that you can subscribe uh, to the show. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on, so Avram, how have you been? All right, all right. Oh, so much, so much stuff going on, uh, and so much stuff uh, yet to yet to go on. So uh, you know, it's uh, oh, busy. <laughs> Busy, busy, exciting times. Uh, I haven't had time to really figure out why this, why this thing isn't working yet. But uh, you know, we will, we will figure, we will figure it out. My Wait, son and I are trying to. Which project make this. is that? So this is, uh, we're trying to make a joystick that controls his Legos, uh, oh, like it, yeah. his Lego Boost and his other Lego Power Ups, which operate over Bluetooth. My problem is, even though I have an analog to digital chip here, it's not recognizing it and not recognizing the joystick. So I have to oh. figure out, is it that it doesn't like the pins or, or whatever? But I got this neat little plastic box here that like makes it a lot easier to do this kind of thing. Because sure. you like, plug the breadboard in here and then you can take any size Raspberry Pi or Arduino board and screw them in here. Um, so... Uh, it's kind of neat to sort of keeping all the wires and project together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's a that's a cool little plate. Yeah, yeah. It was like fifteen dollars, and I got it with that came with the breadboard, and it also came with what I really wanted, and does not appear to work. Although, again, it could be just that the pins on my Raspberry Pi that I soldered on are, are not working correctly. But um, you know, it was one of those breakout boards, so you could just take a ribbon cable and run it from your raspberry pi to your um to your setup so if oh. you just you know switch raspberry pi's you just pull the ribbon cable out nice uh, but uh that wasn't working either so oh. 
I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, we'll ha- so we'll have to get back to whether I think it works. But, um, well, I mean, the plastic board can't not work because sure. it's a piece of plastic. Sure. But, um, so. Yeah, unless uh, there was know, some sort of unexpected metal in there. The, yeah. The, 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 the mounting plate the, is going to work. The screw holes are in the right place. I can report that. So, um, <laughs> you know, the anyway, just another project that my son and I are uh, trying to trying to work on when we have time. Sure. It's not which we don't. But anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's what I'm up to. How about you? Um, it's been it's been a busy couple of weeks. We've uh, we had a fundraiser last night for uh, the team duct tape, the robotics team that I work with, um, and our GoFundMe is actually uh, a little over twenty two hundred dollars right now. So we're we're actually doing pretty well with that, and then obviously, you know, uh, we had the Orlando Regional uh, a couple of Saturday, Saturdays ago, which is why we weren't on the air a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so uh, that was a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, this game this year for uh, First Robotics Competition is a lot of fun to watch, and I got way more of an uh-huh. opportunity to watch it this year than I usually do, So, so that was good. We were there... Uh, normally we do the show on Fridays uh, because the teams are a little uh, calmer on Friday, but we had to do it on Saturday this year because of scheduling. And it's the end of it's the end of the matches. We were broadcasting as we were leading up to the finals, <laughs> and so uh, what we got to watch this year after the show was the finals, was all the last matches. So that was kind of fun to see. Uh, it is a fun game this year, and I cannot wait. Uh, in a couple of weeks, um, how many weeks? Three weeks, something like that. Uh, Seventeen through twenty-one, I will be at the first World Championships, which I'm very excited about. I haven't been to World Championships. I cannot believe I'm about to say this. I haven't been there in twenty-two years. Oh wow! And so. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what it looks like today compared to what it was in 97. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely grown. We we outgrew the venue that we were at the last time I was there, uh, like in 99. (laughs) That'll be a tremendous amount of fun. I, I, I really can't wait. It should be, it should be a lot of fun. So, that's what I've been up. That's what I've been up to. <laughs> Lots of stuff, uh, and and still working on my my secret product. So, uh-huh. fingers crossed and all that. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot to to talk about tonight. So let's get down to it. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a tablet, a laptop, uh, VR headsets, an Xbox One, either S or X, and a whole lot more, they're all available in uh, from the Microsoft Store. Right now, you can get a Surface Laptop 2 uh, with Intel Core i7 processor and the mobile mouse and the Surface Pen, all uh, saving $425, which... 
that's that's a pretty great deal. You can also get um, you can save sixty bucks on an Xbox One and get a free game, an extra free game right now. Uh, so that's another great deal. And there's a whole lot more to it than that. And to find all the deals, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So uh, the beginning of this week, an interesting report came out that um, that seemed like it wouldn't stop unfolding uh, through <laughs> the beginning of the week. And that was about uh, a security breach at ASUS where their ASUS Live update utility, which, uh, you know, if you've had basically any laptop or desktop for a while, you know that most of the manufacturers have their own, like, software and uh, firmware driver update utilities. Uh, this is this is ASUS's, and um, it had been compromised potentially a while ago. Uh, there's... There's uh, some theory that there was a, a um, potentially Chinese hack uh, two or three months back, and that was what opened the ability for this to happen. But the update utility itself was replaced in their own update servers. Now, here's the thing. They managed to sign the software with ASUS's own security certificate, which is impressive. And they managed to get the file size of the updater to be identical to the one that was replaced on the servers. Now, all of that is impressive. In reality, super sophisticated. And somehow, not the most interesting part of this story. <laughs> the most interesting part to me, and I have a feeling Abram's going to agree on this, is that... Um, the, the, the software was specifically designed to seek out uh, f what turned out to be 583 specific MAC addresses. Uh, MAC addresses, for those who don't know, are, is the, um, the, essentially the uni unique identifier for your network card. Um, and so only 583 computers out of all the computers that ASUS has out on the market, only 583 were specifically targeted uh, through this. Interestingly, uh, 513 of those belonged to only three companies. ASUS themselves, Intel, and Azure Wave Technologies. The other 70 were spread among a number of of other big companies, uh, but almost all of them were specifically targeted at ASUS, Intel, and Azure Wave Technologies. So this How is interesting. Weird is I that? Didn't so this is a very interesting way to do corporate espionage, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. But um, like that shouldn't make the people who are not who had ASUS computers that were not among the 583 feel any better. Not at all. Because I, you know, who's to say that they would only, first of all, the fact that they could do this means they could do it to anybody. Right. Second of all, that malware is on, you know, thousands, tens of 
thousands at least. Yeah. Uh, we well, we, well, we know others have it. We know That's from only people who are running Kaspersky antivirus. I was going to say we know just from Kaspersky that fifty-seven thousand of their customers had it installed. Right. So. That's just Kaspersky. Like right. I, you know, I don't know what their percentage of the market is, but it's not. But I, I would hazard to say that uh, a lot of people just stick with Windows, you know, with the uh -huh. built-in Windows Defender right. these days. Right. Uh, and then there's other people who have all the other antiviruses, such as McAfee, and you know. So right. I, I, I don't really. Um, you know, that's really the tip of the iceberg. You should probably assume that pretty much everybody who had an Asus computer for the last that they bought in the last year or two uh, that had the live update tool running, which is, is by default, right. um, you know, got this this malware update. Uh -huh. So and probably without knowing that they even got an update. So, you know, that should really tell you that how serious of a problem this is because first of all now that there's this back door into all these computers who's to say that the that the the hackers who did this don't decide that they would like to steal information from a bunch of other computers right like this is sort of like they used uh, a giant machete for something that actually could only required a scalpel you know indeed so it's, it's almost like uh it's almost like some type of crime mystery where like somebody stages a big bank robbery so they can steal the wallet of one of the tellers. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's kind of a miss, almost a misdirection because they're, they were only interested in doing sort of corporate espionage. Um, I guess of all these, of all these individuals and companies that probably they thought had trade secrets on their computers. And, you know, like, but they did it in a way that they could have captured anybody. So, you know, what's also really interesting is how did they know the MAC addresses of all of these users? Right. Isn't that a little bit creepier? Like, we wanted to target only these MAC addresses, but we released an update that goes out to every ASUS owner. But we also knew, like... If somebody wanted to hack you, where would they get your MAC address? Right. What are they doing? That's do not public information. Right. What are they doing? Are they, like, sitting at coffee shops, like, following these people around, sniffing uh, Wi-Fi packets out of the air at Starbucks? I, it's... This is a very, very sophisticated operation to know the MAC. Like, a MAC address is a pretty much a hidden fingerprint yeah. For a very specific computer. So like, wow, these folks were really advanced and then they figure out the best way to do it is to is to do it through the update tool. Uh, but it's, it's like an episode of the blacklist, to be perfectly honest, because because yeah. it was it was weird twists and turns from the moment this first came out. Uh what late last Sunday or early Monday morning, whenever, yeah. whenever this started to happen, because you know it all came from Kaspersky, so we're working on a Russian timetable. So it's when it was published is potentially a little strange, but it, from the time this thing started, it was like watching an episode of The Blacklist because every time you got a new update, 
it was weirder than the last one. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing, though. I, I do think... Because, uh, like... Are you still there, Avram? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's... We're back to the old days. Uh, for those of you who have been watching and listening for a long time, we're back to the old days where Avram takes a small pause at the beginning of the show with Skype, and then there it comes you go. back. There hey. he is. Yeah, great. So, <laughs> so the, I mean, I, I think Asus's conduct here does not sound good. I mean, supposedly Kaspersky had informed them of the problem and says that they didn't really take it seriously. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, that's... That's really bad. That would give me a lot of, uh, you know, pause about, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're informed by an antivirus company that we've detected malware in your updates, and instead of reacting to this right away, they kind of sounds like they, they, they kind of uh, shoot shoot off Kaspersky's concerns and and kept going. Uh huh. And. That's that's not that that's the worst thing about. I think that's the worst thing that was reported. Yes, they had a breach, which is really bad. But if you have a breach and then you're not taking it seriously, that's that's even worse. Yeah, and and I I always, obviously I always hate to see that scenario, um, but unfortunately we've seen it with a lot of big companies just over the last year and a half, two years. I mean, the whole, uh, I mean, look at what happened with, with Apple, right? There was the whole, uh, somebody had access to celebrities photos or what the iCloud thing that was brought to Apple's attention nine months before, uh, somebody else found it and exploited it. And Apple was like, yeah, it's fine. I, that is such a bad attitude to have. If you've got a security problem, you need to take it seriously. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you think about it, it's... I mean, I can only imagine that it is a... Not only is it a form of arrogance on the part of, you know, the, uh, you know, these companies and their dev team or whoever is responsible... But also, they're probably thinking like, oh, well, this is a theoretical exploit. Uh, It costs us money, and it's an embarrassment. I'm going to have to go to the CEO or somebody and say, hey, I need this money because, um, you know, because we, you know, or I need to pull this software uh, because we found a a security flaw. Well, that person's obviously worried about their reputation and their job. So they're kind of hoping that, that it's just going to, uh, no one's going to exploit it, and and nothing bad's going to happen. And you know, they deserve to be embarrassed. Yes. Yeah, for sure, they definitely do. They really do. And you know, yeah. So, oh, go ahead. You were breaking. Yeah, no, that's all I have to say. Okay, you you were breaking up a little bit, so I wasn't. <laughs> Wanted to make sure I wasn't stepping on you. Um, and it, it's important to note that not every company uh, responds negatively. Um, you know, we had 
we had the issue with Lenovo a couple of years ago where, or yeah, Lenovo, where they had uh, included in the stuff that, that was shipped on their computers without their knowledge, there was a, a key logger included. And within an hour of them finding out that, that it had happened, there was a tool available to remove it. And then within like a day, their, their auto update system removed the software from people's systems on its own. You know, some companies respond real quick to notifications like this, and then some, I guess, try to pretend that it didn't happen. But, you know, this, this is a story for, for the ages, because it was, it was fascinating every step of the way. Everyone experiences adversity, but how you respond to it, Mm -hmm. uh, whether you take responsibility, uh, that's that's what counts yeah that's a good way of looking at it um obviously hopefully uh humans make mistakes think you know their problems will always exist that's just the nature of of things that people make uh but hopefully uh we'll see companies start learning from these mistakes where they're uh massively embarrassed in the <laughs> in the public eye for responding poorly This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new computer or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all of the parts and pieces you'll need to complete your task. Whether you need all the parts to build a new one, case, power supply, motherboard, processor, RAM, hard drive, video card, all of that, or you're trying to take an old laptop and make it faster with a new SSD, some new RAM, something like that, uh, you can get all of that through Newegg, and with their daily deals, uh, you can get... Uh, all kinds of things for one-day specials, like right now, a full uh, gaming PC for uh, 10% off, or a uh, uh, actually pretty nice little computer monitor uh, for a, a great deal, and a whole lot more. And to find out what those deals are, and to uh, access all of the products that they have to offer, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. So, uh, so Avram, some computers can be upgraded <laughs> this way, but there there has been a trend in a in a in a different type of uh, of modular design for computers, right? Yes. So uh, recently, Intel uh, confirmed. Uh, I won't say they announced; they confirmed uh, to us. <laughs> that they are not going to make any more uh, compute cards. And that uh, is really an example, the latest example of a a kind of trend uh, that's been going on across the last like six, seven, eight years or so uh, that just doesn't seem to die, which is the sort of super, uh, super tiny computer module that you that you expect to use and that's expected to be used in like upgradable products or physically secure computers. So, um, and when you think about it, it was a bad idea from the start. So like <laughs> Intel's compute card for those who weren't, who don't, don't remember it because honestly, you know, 
few people would have experienced it unless you've been keeping up with tech news since 2017 uh, when it was announced. It was a computer the size, a little bit bigger than a credit card. And you could get it with, you know, it was a Intel processor. It was You could get it with like a Pentium processor or a Core Y uh, process, you know, processor, not super powerful, but, uh, you know, it had built in flash storage and, and a little RAM, uh, but you couldn't connect it directly to the monitor, your monitor and keyboard and other things. You needed a dock for it. Um, and the concept of it was there's a, a couple of things that you could do with something like the compute card. One is, and this was what Intel was pushing. Uh, very hard when they announced it was uh, the uh, upgradable smart appliances. The question there, though, is why? So, for example, their their example was like, oh, you have a smart TV, you want to make that TV smarter? Here, pop out the old compute card that it came with and put in a new one with a faster processor. Well, I gotta, you know, it sounds cute till you actually think it through, like. Do you really want to have to upgrade your TV's hardware? Why would you need to? What are you doing on a TV or a connected refrigerator or a washing machine that requires you to have a slightly faster uh, computer inside of it like two years later? And what, what appliance manufacturer would like to support that? Why would they do it? What's their what's the motivation for LG or or or, or you know or uh, Whirlpool or or, or whatever uh, to to put uh-huh. or, or Samsung to to put these in their in their appliances? Like, do you really if you're an appliance vendor, a you really don't want those support calls about how hey I was just upgrading my CPU on my refrigerator now it won't boot. B, this is something people, you've got to build an extra layer of, you know, serviceability into it so that the user can remove this compute module. Right. C, what what would you be doing to it that would require it to have a faster processor years down the road? Like, is the software upgrade for your, like, your streaming software going to really require you to step up from like a seventh gen core Pentium to an eighth gen Pentium compute card, like what, what, what would cause that? Meanwhile, these compute cards weren't cheap either. No, like the Pentium one was like three or four hundred bucks. So, um, that so, you know, and, and then your appliance vendor also, if you really want people to buy have a faster appliance, better appliance, and you want to sell them a new appliance, it's like not to your advantage. So. So this whole uh, use case of this appliance that people are going to going to upgrade by that the user is going to upgrade with a new compute card uh, seems like crazy on its face. And then the other idea that Intel wasn't pushing super hard, uh, but was sort of a, uh, you know, use case that we've heard about before and, uh, um, you know, and many other products is. This idea of the the computer, the secure computer you put in your pocket. Mm-hmm. So I remember. Uh, do you remember my old uh, my old favorite, uh, the cotton candy computer? Yes, indeed. So the cotton candy, I used to actually have one here, and then eventually I realized 
eventually I was cleaning out my drawers. I I think I threw it away because I had absolutely no use for it. Although it is a a a, a uh, remnant of history, it was probably the first computer on a stick, and it was a really small stick. It was the size of a USB stick. It had an HDMI port in the front, and you could run uh, Android on it. And you know that the idea of having a tiny computer makes some sense. That's why Intel still makes a compute stick. And, and there are a number of computers on a stick. And of course, they're really small computers. I got that Raspberry Pi here that's a small computer, although people wouldn't necessarily use it as their main computer. Uh, but you know, the, the idea that, hey, you want a computer that doesn't take up a lot of space, you can sort of pop it into a slot on the back of your TV or, or, or monitor and use it. Okay, I get it. That makes sense. But the idea, and this is one that Cotton Candy uh, pushed. This is one that Kangaroo uh, pushed. If, if anybody wow. remembers the Kangaroo computer, yes, and the Kangaroo notebook, and the Kangaroo notebook that came out, uh, which was another sort of mo- which was a module-based thing where the notebook itself was had no intelligence, but there were little modules about the size of the Intel compute card that you could pop in and out. The idea was, oh hey, listen, no one can hack your computer if it's in your pocket. So, you know, forget about carrying your data around on a USB card. Forget about, you know, carry your whole computer around, including the processor and the video card and, you know, the Wi-Fi, everything. Carry, you know, carry that around. And then when you get where you're going, uh, somewhere there will be a terminal for you that is just a keyboard and a mouse and a monitor and something to plug it into. And... When you leave, you'll take the computer with you. Here's the problem. Who's setting up that ecosystem uh-huh. of dump terminals for people to plug into? Uh, you know, now I heard this, you know, from from various uh, companies, including, you know, the FXI, the people who made Cotton Candy. Uh, you know, may they rest in peace. That company is, I mean, the, I, I think the people are still okay, but the, the company is gone. Uh, you know, the, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure is gone. Oh, but, yes. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was I, just I, on their I, website. They're gone. Uh, you know, but um, I remember them saying things like, well, you know, at hospitals, they're going to have doctors carry these around with patient information on them so that when they leave the, the workstation, the nurse's station or whatever, that no one else can get that data. But that's, that's a very short sighted look at how people use data today. Mm-hmm. Like, Everything is in the cloud. Things are in networks, particularly health data. You know, another example that I think he gave me was teachers keeping students grades on it. You mean there's not a server for that for the school district like right. that? None of that makes any sense. People keep data in the cloud. That's how they have it portable. Uh-huh. Have you know where now, it, does, where it doesn't it. matter at all what hardware you're interacting with, which which is the right. step above that concept, right, is now with with the way even even when the the kangaroo and the the cotton candy had come out you and i talked right, exactly. we talked about they, they, that that the, the idea was was interesting if you looked at computing 20 years back right that's the problem it's it's what it was an idea that would have worked before smart before smartphones before 4g and three even 3g internet uh it was an idea that would have made sense in like 2000 when people did not have, most people did not have laptops. 
they were going to if they were traveling maybe they'd go to an internet cafe or something or the hotel or the computer desktop in the hotel lobby oh. and if you were using those computers yes those are insecure yes you probably shouldn't go onto a public computer and type and, and, and access your cloud Gmail account because there could be a keylogger on mm -hmm. that computer, right? Like, yeah. yes, that is good computer hygiene is not to use a public terminal I, I for, for personal information. That's, that's, good. that's a good idea. But people have a computer that goes around with them all the time, and they don't need to pop it into a dumb terminal. It's called right. their smartphone. Right. Or, for more serious things, their laptop. So, like... You know, this idea just doesn't make sense in 2019, yeah. and it didn't make sense in 2011 when they first introduced the cotton candy. And you know, it's you know the idea that it'd be physically secure, the idea that you know you want a really tiny computer to take up less space on your desk, or using it in a kiosk or a digital sign or something like that. You need something small and low power. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But the idea that it's going to be secure because it fits in your pocket is uh, is just it makes no sense whatsoever. So, you know, Intel's compute card not only was it small, you know, and expensive for what it was, but you had to have this proprietary docking connector to connect it. So, uh, you know, so that makes it even more expensive and even harder for somebody to implement. So, you know what? I don't think anybody's going to miss this project. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's a lot of the same problems that even Samsung faced with the first generation of DeX, right? They're use your your Galaxy S8 as a computer. Uh, it required a special dock. You couldn't just connect it to something that would work. It required a special dock, like. You couldn't just use a cable and plug it into the HP laptop. The newer one, the lap dock, the new ones you can, but the first generation you couldn't. And so, you know, having to have that extra piece totally eliminated the open ecosystem concept that that they were pitching in the first place. I would love to know, though, how many people actually use DeX or yeah. other things that allow you to use your smartphone as a as a like desktop or laptop computer. Yes, there are companies that continue to come out with, and you can still get them, uh, dumb, I, I mean dumb in a, in a nice way, like dumb terminal laptops mm -hmm. that you can just connect your smartphone to. Every CES, I see three or four different ones that are coming. Yeah. And most of them, to be make life simple for themselves and for make them compatible, just give you a wire which means you can't really use it on your lap because you'd be trying to balance, hold the phone in one hand and balance the laptop in the other mm -hmm. or something weird like that. But I still, I still have to ask, like, is that a good user experience? I have yet to see a, a phone that provides a really good desktop computing experience. So I think for now, the traditional laptop is safe. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I am one that you know, has, I've used my HP, uh, X3 phone and, uh, and continuum to, to the lap dock. And, you know, depending on where I am, it works either real well or not at all. And it doesn't have the, the wire problem. So I can do it wirelessly so I can not have to worry about 
that weird balancing thing. But you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you're still dealing with the processing power of a phone. You're dealing with the the network, the Wi-Fi capabilities of a phone, which is never the thing that the phone manufacturers put uh, time and love into. It's it's always their cellular network they put time and love into. And when you and I are sitting at a press conference at CES, I we can both say it's not your cellular connection that's going to work in that building because the whole the whole city's <laughs> pretty yeah, tight so... during that time. So yeah, it it's definitely an interesting idea, but one that just has never panned out to be useful. Yeah, you too. If somebody like if Microsoft were to make a fully functioning Windows computer that fit in my pocket and mm -hmm. got a 4G signal and I could make calls on, uh -huh. then maybe then maybe it would make sense to have a do a dock for it. But that would certainly not be with these uh, with these sorts of uh, compute cards and yeah, compute sticks sure. are. Because they are they are not portable computers, they are portable desktops. Yes. They need to be plugged into something to work. Yeah. Like like the one that we use here yeah. in the studio for you, that for the screen over here that most people never get to see anymore. Um the, <laughs> it uh it's a an Intel compute stick clone. Uh if you didn't see the logo on it, you wouldn't know that it wasn't theirs. Uh but it requires you to physically plug into power. It requires you to physically plug into a screen with HDMI. Uh, so, you know, all of those benefits are lost. Now, is it a really snappy, powerful computer? Yes. Does it have all of those benefits that uh, if the, the courier becomes real <laughs> uh, that we could get from it? No. No, of course not, because it has to plug into a into a screen with HDMI. It has to plug into power. It requires two amps of, at five at uh, five volts. So, you know, you might be able to power it off of a, a portable battery, but not for long. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it th there's no no successful middle ground right now. Now, I know I know you wrote about this, right? Yep. So you can definitely read my whole article, which says a lot of what I said here, uh, by going to tomsardware.com, uh, where you will find uh, my article on the Intel, uh, why the Intel compute, Intel compute card is a bad idea that just won't won't die. Uh, but you'll also see some of our uh, other great uh, up to date up to date coverage, including um, including our new Raspberry Pi channel. <laughs> I was just gonna say. One of the, one of the things that I love the most, and have always loved about Tom's Hardware, way longer than you've been involved with, with the site is, um, is the community aspect. And you guys just yeah. expanded your forums, uh, what yeah. this this week with yes. Raspberry Pi and a couple new topics, right? Yes, yes. So we added some new topics, uh, you know, and we're we had some new topics, uh, you know. I think we didn't have a dedicated forum topic for for power supplies, which is obviously an important topic huh. that we cover a lot. Uh, we, just a lot of things uh, we switched forum technology, which allows us to add new topics, something that we weren't able to do for a while, and hmm. and also consolidate some old topics. So I think that the Windows, the dedicated Windows ninety five category, might be might be. Uh, <laughs> Might be subsumed into something. 
Oh my goodness, that is a frightening concept. Anyway, <laughs> wow. All right. Well, uh, definitely, uh, if you're interested in the topic, go check out the article and uh, get involved in the in the community over there. Because, like I said, it's one of my favorite parts of the site. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and on console are available from Razer. Whether you are looking for a new keyboard and mouse like I use here in the studio, you're looking for um, the Razer phone, which uh, currently has a, uh, a special running on it, or you're looking for gaming headphones, or a full system like the Razer Blade 15 Advanced, on sale for $400 off right now. Uh, there's always deals running. Unfortunately for us, they end on Sunday nights, so whatever's running right now will not matter by the time you see this. Uh, but definitely go to the site and uh, check out all the deals that are running, and the easy way to do that is by going to f5live.tv slash razor. <laughs> it's, it's oh, I should mention something. I should mention something in light of our in light of our sponsor. Um, we just put up on Tom's hardware review of the new Razer turret uh, keyboard for Xbox One. Ooh. I encourage people to check it out. Uh, that is a pretty that is a pretty cool keyboard for people who like to um, uh, who like to game from the couch. Well, and it works really well on PC. So whether you're gaming from your PC or an Xbox, uh, it's a keyboard and mouse com- wireless keyboard and mouse combo uh, that is absolutely great on your lap. That's that's the one that they worked with Microsoft to to design uh, when they added keyboard and mouse support to the Xbox One, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I will have to go check that out myself because uh, we talked about it when they announced it. I uh, can't wait to see what you guys had to say about it. Um, in the in the gaming space, we have talked a lot over the the last couple of years about the HTC Vive, which uh, Avram has consistently said is his favorite of the uh, the VR hardware. It is um, the, yeah. one of the things that has made it uh, the success that it has been has been their partnership with Steam VR. Obviously, Steam on PC is and has been for a very long time been the platform for PC gaming. And so it is no surprise that Steam VR uh, has become a, a strong place for uh, VR gaming as well, and the HTC Vive has been the kind of the flagship uh, hardware for that platform. There have been some other pieces that have gone in there, but the Vive is definitely the flagship hardware. But that might be about to change because in May, uh, Valve themselves will be announcing their own Valve hardware. It has technically been announced. Uh, It is called Valve Index. There is a dedicated page on the Valve website right now. And what it tells you is um, you'll find out what it means in May 2019. And there is a very dark and shadowy 
photo of the side of the hardware, and that is the extent of what is on that page right now. So a dedicated page might be um, a little more more of a title than it actually is. Uh, but it's definitely interesting. You know, Valve has has oftentimes had a f- their own flagship hardware piece for platforms of their own. You know, there was the Steam Link. They had the Steam Machines, of which they had their own uh, flagship hardware. Uh, and in the end, kind of the only hardware that ever actually made it to market. But, um, you know, it's... It, the fact that their flagship hardware for VR was not theirs has been an unusual move for them all along. So it's not terribly surprising that they would that they would be working on this. And when you add in, you know, the weird issues that HTC has had over the last year or so uh, as a company uh, selling off the majority of their their handset business to Google and all the weird things that they've been doing, uh, it's not surprising that it would happen now either what do you think no not at all not surprising not surprising at all i mean it's it's uh considering all the problems that hcc has had it makes sense for for valve to step in um you know i'm kind of surprised after what happened i thought that maybe valve would would allow other manufacturers to manufacture their own you know their own vibes yeah uh but i guess they had an exclusive some kind of exclusive agreement with htc uh because obviously their interest should probably be in the platform right for Uh, sure more so than the hardware now now it, it, it is important to note that uh the vive isn't the only uh the only hardware that has act has had access to the store um but Certainly, it is the one that has had full access to the store. Like, even the Samsung Gear VR thing has had limited access to be able to install some stuff from from Steam VR, but not the way the Vive. Like, the Vive is the hardware. Nothing else has the access that, that the Vive has. So, yeah, there's definitely been some sort of exclusivity there, which... Might be the reason why this is happening now. That contract might be up. Yeah, maybe, and maybe they also see, uh, you know, as you've said, the that HCC is is not on very stable ground as a company. Frankly, it was surprising when they had HCC uh, when they brought HCC on as a partner because they're a phone company. So it was a little weird to see them uh, building this piece of very you know high end. PC hardware. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for for sure. Phones are certainly what, uh, for sure, what the West has known HTC for ever since they started going by just their initials. Uh, without question, uh, phones are all kind of anybody knows them for. But, you know, they, they do have an, a very old history of, of computer stuff, but, I think it was far enough outside of their outside of their current timeline that it was definitely a weird choice. I think HTC over the last decade has fancied themselves as another Samsung. And when yeah, Samsung got, and when <laughs> Samsung got into VR, they're like, "Well, we can do that too." I don't know. Cuz right cuz 
the thing Samsung can do is the thing that Apple and Microsoft can do. Something can fail and, oh well. But, and you can throw money at it for a long time before it has to be profitable. <laughs> and, and still be able to keep your lights on. But <laughs> if you're HTC, that's not the same thing. Samsung can can keep making weird VR headset phone things for a decade and never make a penny on it and still make them and not affect their bottom line. But with HTC, it's <laughs> it's not the same environment. They don't have washers and dryers and televisions and the largest percentage of the smartphone market, individual percentage of the smartphone market and things like all the things that Samsung has to be able to to go, oh, let's try this. Oh, not enough people are buying it. Uh-oh. Maybe we have to sell part of the company to Google. <sighs> but they have definitely felt like they fancied themselves as a sec- as another Samsung. And I think that attitude is why, why we're where we are. Why we're talking about Valve building their own VR headset. Uh, because I bet... I bet they're legitimately worried that HTC may not make it to 2020. Yep. So it'll be interesting. Um, obviously, May 2019 is pretty close. Uh, it's just a couple of weeks away. Um, you know, if you if you look at the beginning of the month, it's only four. And uh, to the end of the month, it's only eight. So, you know, worst case scenario, we've only got eight weeks before we find out exactly what Valve has planned. My guess is... If they're going to do this, they have to not just match, they have to beat what the Vive is up to um, as far as, you know, quality of headset, uh, quality of screen, all the things that have made the Vive Abrams go-to hardware when we talk about VR. Valve is going to have to make all of that better. And so that's, yep. a, that's a big challenge. Uh, it's, it's a lot to live up to, so I can't wait to see uh, what they do. Hopefully, it'll be not another Steam machine or another Steam Link where they sell uh, 12 of them. So, fing- fingers crossed. This week's News from the Tubes and F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best. Creating commentary for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities such as Rats, Night of Terror. <laughs> oh, the preview is terrible. Oh my goodness. Anyway, it always is. Uh, the way it usually works, for a couple of couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Uh, they also, uh, every year, do a couple of live events. Uh, right now, they have got um, Rift Tracks Live Octoman coming April 18th with an encore presentation on the 24th uh, in theaters nationwide. So to find out what theaters are available, what full-length feature films and short films are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Oh my god, this rat's movie looks terrible, Abram. <laughs> All the rats are just rubber. Anyway, 
Um, that's how I like my rats. <laughs> that's how I like my rats. If I have to have rats, let them be rubber ones. It's, it's definitely a better situation. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Avery and I have talked a lot over the last couple of years about how um, online privacy has gotten questionable <laughs> and continues to get more so. Uh, as time goes on, you know, you've got platforms like Facebook, whose whole business model is you giving them information that you shouldn't uh, willingly. But there's also uh, some situations that are a little more, let's say, questionable or nefarious. One of them is the interaction between big tech and law enforcement and the potential legal pit that <laughs> That comes along with it, in particular, the scenario of companies like uh, Google, who work with law enforcement to scan files as you upload them to their servers to determine whether or not you are uploading illegal content. Now, the definition of illegal content is uh, nebulous, as the program is very tight-lipped on the details, but we do know that they work with the... Um, the I can't think of the name of the organization, the National Organization of Exploited children or whatever um they they work with them uh obviously trying to prevent uh things like uh you know we'll just say child exploitation content um but that is not technically a law enforcement agency in the same way that say the fbi is um who they also work with so here is the situation there is a case going on in federal court right now, uh, for which Epic, not Epic Games, uh, but the Electronic Privacy Information Center, which is a civil liberty group in Washington, D.C., has filed an amicus brief this week um, because the case involves Google working directly with law enforcement to receive content that they want scanned for, uh, particularly going into things like Google Drive or Gmail, and then reporting back uh, what they find to those law enforcement agencies. The problem, of course, is that that is a quagmire of Fourth Amendment uh, questions because the Fourth Amendment prevents law enforcement from uh, searching without a warrant, and this is all done without a warrant. So uh, this is a fascinating case, and um, obviously I think we can all see why why searching for child exploitation content uh, makes sense. However, you know, it certainly also makes you question exactly what Google's doing. The algorithms for which, through which they search your content aren't known. It's also not known how accurate it is. We don't know how many times innocent people have been referred to law enforcement um, or the ramifications of doing so. You know, if we're talking about child exploitation content, just just being accused of that is enough to lose a number of jobs, especially if you have a government contract. Uh, just the accusation could pull your security clearance. So there's definitely problems, and it's why the Fourth, <laughs> Fourth Amendment is in place. So I, I don't even know what to think here, Abram. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'd like to know a little bit more about what exactly it is that they're looking for when, mm -hmm. and, and what they consider to be uploaded content. Uh -huh. Is that like your 
is uploaded content things you upload to YouTube? Is it photos? Is it your email messages? What what is uploaded content that they're scanning? Exactly. That and that's the thing. The every aspect of the program is kept quiet. They don't they don't release exactly what they're looking for. Obviously, we know that child exploitation content is one of them. They've been very open about that. Um, but uh, it's definitely stuff that goes to Google Drive because people have reported being um, uh, contacted by law enforcement uh, because of content uploaded to Google Drive. So that's, that's photos, uh, documents, all kinds of stuff, right? Um, we know that they scan everything that goes to YouTube because all of that is public information, which is a different situation, right? When you make, when you make the content public on a platform like YouTube, you've made it public. It, you know, you, things you do outside of your home, if they're illegal, cops don't need a warrant to drive past your house and see you doing them. So it's the same kind of right, situation right. there. But so, right. so we know Google Drive is involved. Um, we don't know if Gmail is involved, although... Um, knowing, knowing what I know about some of the stuff that used to happen inside of Microsoft, uh, Outlook uh, was scanned. So, you know, it's it's definitely, it's definitely a question, and I have, I have a feeling all of that is going to come up in this federal case, as uh, the legality of what's happening is being questioned, which is specifically what this case is about, is the legality of what's happening. Well. I have I have a better one for you. Yes, this is this is this is really bad, uh, but you know it seems that a lot of people are really comfortable with having very limited privacy mm-hmm. uh, these days, uh, and it 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 concerns me. It bothers me. It's something I get into uh, even into debates with my wife about. Like you know, she recently bought a Google Assistant into into our home and i you know not uh you know a fan of having always listening speakers there Mm -hmm. and you know that we know that these assistants are actually recording now i don't know about the data storage policy right of them but they are absolutely recording everything because at least for a time because uh like I don't know. I, I think it's true on Google, but definitely on on Amazon. Yeah, we know for you a can fact go Amazon. And you can you can go and you can play back um, mm-hmm. your Amazon requests, right? And it has recorded you, but yeah. it, but it hasn't just recorded what you asked. It recorded you saying, "Hey Alexa." So, how did it know to start recording you before you said the magic word? Is it psychic? No, it's obviously recording you all the time. So it it works. Yeah, my, yeah. It, the question is, does it work like a security camera, or does it work like a um, like a dash cam, right? Where it just has, where it just holds onto a buffer, and then starts record. You know, holds that buffer uh, after after a command, and there's no way of knowing. Although with Alexa, we've got we've got some ways of knowing as data that wasn't recorded has been subpoenaed and used in in court cases so <laughs> right so shouldn't amazon say we don't have that data right so if they're saying that they don't want to turn it over it means they have it 
or their willing to turn means they have it, which means that you're all that we're all being spied upon. Like it's, right. it's, 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 it's really, uh, it, it's in, in it's that really per- frightening. In that particular case, you literally have a snitch living in your home. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no joke. I won't even, I won't even talk about about uh, Wi-Fi uh, security cameras that you might have in your house. Uh-huh. Uh, so that offloads to the cloud. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's oh. in your house. Yeah. The, 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 the spy is inside your house. So is it any surprise it's inside your, uh, it's, it's inside, it's looking at your files. Right. And the frightening thing about this is, you know, I think most people would say, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing anything terrible. I'm not doing anything illegal. Uh, so, right. so I don't care. Yes, but how do you know that you're not going to get, say something that's going to trigger uh-huh. trigger it? Right. You know, something that you or, would consider innocent. Or God forbid but, somebody hacks into your account. triggers. God forbid somebody yeah. hacks into your how account ruin, and uploads something. How to ruin somebody. Yeah. Yeah, how to ruin somebody, right? Yeah. So, uh, make it look like they have illicit material. Yeah. So, Cause, so that, that because is again, Because, again, in, in the case of, you know, that a particular type of illicit material, just the accu- accusation is enough to lose jobs, lose security contracts, lose your livelihood. And... It could all be because of a hack, and there, there's no way to ever wash off that, that stigma, of of an accusation. Yep. So it's it it yeah. there's definitely a lot of of potential danger there. And yeah, then no and then for for say you and I, you know, we have all kinds of proprietary and. Uh, and embargoed material that we receive that we may be in violation of a contract of just because somebody scanned it, you know, there's all kinds of not because you're doing something illegal, but you could be in violation of a, of a business contract because you received an email and Google or Microsoft or whoever it is doing it happened to scan it. Uh Oh, that's not better. Yeah. So, and yep. if and if it's a Google competitor, you can guarantee Google, they don't want Google to be scanning it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was one of the things that you and I used to talk about when uh, when BlackBerry was a big a big player. Was everything went through BlackBerry servers, which both created a a, a, a bottleneck, which turned out to be a huge problem more than once, but then it, it also potentially gave BlackBerry the ability to scan the proprietary info, which we didn't like back then, and I still don't today. So it'll be interesting to follow yeah, this well, case. Go ahead. Well, you know, this this is a great reason to have hard drives. <laughs> buy hard drives. Buy NAS drives. Indeed. Uh, I store a lot of stuff... A lot of stuff locally, um, and you know, I I have a VPN set up so that I can VPN into my network and access my hard drives locally. Which, 
you know, in the days of cloud storage might seem crazy, but, you know, I'm not interested in somebody scanning my stuff. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, you know your basic features, free shipping, sometimes same day, but there are some other really cool features as well, and uh, the list seems to be ever-expanding. Uh, one of the cool ones is Prime Music, where you get several million tracks available for free uh, to stream as part of your Prime subscription. Uh, Abram's favorite, which is Prime Video where you can get TV and movies and documentaries, both original content and licensed content. Again, all part of your existing Prime subscription. My favorite, which is Twitch Prime, where you get one free subscription uh, to a channel on, on Twitch, which you can use to subscribe to Plug It Live if you would like, or any other um, uh, broadcaster. You also get free games every month, uh, and the list... Uh, obviously, it's always changing. Once the game is yours, the game is yours, which is a really cool uh, thing. And I play a lot of the games that I get for free with uh, Twitch Prime. And a new benefit that was just added to Twitch Prime this week. If you have a uh, Nintendo Switch and you have Twitch Prime, uh, you can pair them together and get a full year of Switch Online for free right now and if you buy a switch uh anytime between now and november you can uh set this up which i think is a pretty cool benefit and there's more than just that we've put together a list of some of our favorites with links to make it easy for you to get to uh those subscriptions and uh, capabilities plus if you're not already a subscriber we have a link to give you a free 30-day trial and all of that is available by going to f5live.tv prime I think that's that partnership with uh, with Nintendo is fascinating. I can't wait to see how that works out for him. Um, this week was the week. Uh, we, we've, uh, for the last year or so since Apple announced that they were putting a billion-dollar investment into um, online streaming content, we knew that eventually they were going to announce some sort of a video streaming service, and this week... Uh, we got our details, or at least some of them. Uh, in fact, the company announced three different media uh, products this week. Uh, we'll start with a Apple TV+, Plus, which is the, the product that we've all known was coming. It's another streaming service, uh, which will have... Uh, interestingly, will have, um, from what we can tell, exclusive content. Uh, right now, there are 25 projects in in uh, in the works, which is an interestingly both big and small number. It's obviously it's a small amount of original content for a new streaming service, but for a company who's never created original content, it's a lot of content. It's a lot of projects um, all in the works at the same time. Um, so that'll definitely be interesting. However. Apple was really light on the details of this. They were heavy on celebrities and light on on details. What we do know, however, is that um, it will be available off Apple platform, which 
seems like a really smart move for them, right? Uh, it'll be available on Roku and Samsung TVs and, and a number of other uh, very media-heavy platforms, which personally I think is a great idea because if you've got if you've got an iPhone, that doesn't necessarily mean that you also have an Apple TV because, you know, that's been a pretty small portion of the market. You're way more likely to have a Roku or a Samsung smart TV. So bringing this platform there is important if they want to get people to subscribe because as Avram and I have been talking about, uh, subscriber fatigue is definitely starting to set in and will not get better over the next year. And so being able to position the platform in more places, I think is essential here, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's too many, uh, subscription services right now. Mm -hmm. So, and we know of several more uh, that are going to be released this year. Although Amazon seems to have the right idea in that they have that whole um, service where you can sign up to other services through Prime. So at least you're, I guess you're getting one bill. Uh huh. Uh, you know, so you can, like, you can get BritBox. I think you can get CBS All Access. There's a number of, I don't know whether this is, I'm doubtful you'll be able to get Apple through Prime. Through, through Prime. I mean, I mean you, you pay extra for them, but they, Right. appear in the interface and are on your are build uh, through Amazon. I can all but guarantee but, that you uh, will not because we will talk about the second part of the Apple TV service in a second. <laughs> but continue. Yes, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I am sure. Uh, so, you know, who knows? In the future, maybe we will all have machine uh, butlers to do all of our our work for us. You know, we will we will and, all get spy on us machine, in our homes. Robot, yes, we all have robot doctors to take care of us. We will not have to. We will not have to work, except everyone will have to work a forty-hour week to pay for streaming. <laughs> is is the robot doctor? Maybe that's what Intel was talking about when they were talking about the compute card. Was for the robot right, yeah, doctor? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You got to change the compute card because you know, like, if you get a serious disease, the uh, core, the core, uh, core i3 compute card just can't handle it. Oh, the fun you of need tying to go all, all the way to the core i5. <laughs> right. So uh, I you love know, tying these stories together. It's fun. Um, but you know, the, yes, in the future, we'll all just be working for. We'll all we'll all just be working for the streaming services. That will be the. That will be the only. Uh, that will be what everybody's working to pay for. Oh, you got a promotion? Yeah, and now I can get now I can get CBS All Access and keep it all year. Not just when Star Trek Discovery is on. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's, dec that's decadent. <laughs> that's decadent. Now I can keep HBO even after Game of Thrones ends. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! So you mentioned Prime channels. Um, which is yeah. Amazon's way to to bundle multiple services all under their UI. Apple decided that that sounded like a great idea, and uh, they even liked the name of it. And so uh, the second part of the Apple TV uh, upgrade is called Apple TV Channels, and it works exactly the same way. Um, 
where and the the services that you can uh, purchase and bundle uh, will look very familiar if you've looked through the Prime Channels lineup, um, because they're nearly identical. Uh, probably because those are the ones with uh, affiliate programs and APIs. Just a guess. Don't know, but it's probably a pretty strong guess. Um, uh, the problem with the Apple TV channels is it will be exclusive to Apple platforms. So um, that capability will not be coming to Roku and Samsung smart TVs and things like that. That will only be able to be watched on iOS and macOS devices, TV, probably tvOS, um, but it'll just be Apple platforms, which seems like a mistake to me, but... I don't know. Seems like if you're gonna if you're gonna spend the time to build an Apple TV app for Samsung and Roku, you would put both of the things that are revenue generators on it, not just one. But I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, right? Doesn't that seem? Doesn't that make sense? Or am, am I insane? Yeah, well, no, no, no. I, I, I think there's a logic to why they wouldn't have their channels service on um, uh, on other um, platforms because if they – because somehow – because they're probably taking a cut of whoever – whatever channels you're getting through the Apple TV service. And then Roku or one of these other uh, platforms would probably say like – you're taking a cut. I want a cut. So like, it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really make sense. Like, that's if you, interesting. If you're on Roku, and if you're on Roku, then Roku might be your platform, and you want Apple TV as just one of your channels. Sure. If yeah, that makes Apple sense. has content that you want, there's not really a benefit to have a sort of a channel within a channel, like that. That makes sense, unless you have the ability to search. Uh, the videos on all of the platforms at once, which might make it appealing. But yeah, that makes sense. And especially if there's a um, uh, like an iTunes style 30% cut, then yeah, it would totally not make any sense. So yeah, that, okay, that makes sense. See, I hadn't considered that. Um, and then the third thing that they announced, which <sighs> we had heard some rumblings about... Uh, before it was announced because of uh, some comments from the New York Times, was Apple News Plus, which is a $10 a month. Interestingly, there's way more information about this one, even though it's way less interesting. Um, $10 a month, and uh, you get, uh, essentially you get subscriptions to about 300 uh, magazines and periodicals, uh, including like Wired, Men's Health, but then, you know, like big budget things like Time Magazine, the Wall Street Journal, things like that. Um, I, I don't know. It, I don't generally enjoy the experience of reading content in a, like in a unified thing where I don't feel like I'm getting the feeling that the publisher is trying to put together where it's all sanitized, like in the Apple News app. I also don't like the Microsoft News app. Um, I, the the whole sanitized feeling just doesn't do it for me, but maybe it does for other people. I don't know. 
I can't I can't see again with subscriber fatigue setting in. I don't know that another subscription service that's for magazines is going to be a huge success. Yeah. Magazines have a hard enough time. Now, you could argue that considering that people don't want to pay for magazines anymore, that spending $10 a month or access to 300 of them uh, is much more practical. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, the magazine business is a kind of a dying business. Right. Now, maybe, uh, you know, maybe this is a way for, uh, you know, otherwise online publishers to monetize uh, to monetize subscriptions, which have been very, very difficult Mm-hmm. Uh, to monetize, there are very few uh, news sites that uh, have, work with a paywall. You know, you're talking about like the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the New York Daily News has tried their hand at it, and the Washington and the Wall Street Journal. Uh-huh. So, oh, I guess Washington Post also maybe. But there's, yeah, there's very few, uh, very few news sites that uh, news organizations that do that, mm-hmm. uh, and. And uh, they, you know, I, I don't know how well they do because, I mean, there's a lot of free alternatives out there. Right. So uh, I guess if you're spending $10 a month and it's an all-you-can-eat type of thing like Spotify, then... Maybe. Then you then maybe, but the problem is, I don't know. How I many, guess, of, them, how many guess, of them are in your wheelhouse? Women's health? Not something I'm going to read, right? There... The, the question is, how many of the 300 apply to any individual reader? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, but 9.99 is probably less than you'd spend for one one subscription. So yeah, maybe. Know. But I'm gonna read. Uh, pro- I'm gonna read Wired's content on their website. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I don't know that there's a really compelling. Uh, compelling reason to do reason to subscribe to this there is an uh, interesting yeah, there, there's an interesting compelling compelling reason for publishers to not participate that was uh that was published by the new york times after they were approached by apple who told them no thank you apparently apple is taking is paying a very small percentage to the publishers and the new york times said we would do better uh, as an advertiser, uh, and as a totally free ad supported site than we would with the revenue coming from Apple news. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, look at what happened. Look at, uh, the complaints that people see about, uh, you know, what artists are paid from Mm -hmm. Spotify. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you can only imagine what it will be like on this on this service. So yeah, I mean, it would be nice if somebody was really trying to monetize, um, subscription, a subscription model for journalism. Uh This doesn't really seem like a very healthy one. Uh, You know, if Apple could certainly afford to be a lot more generous with this than to take more than half of it just for providing a platform. Uh Well, it'll definitely be the more interesting one to watch because I have a feeling that its uh, its life will be way shorter. 
and will be definitely be interesting to uh, to watch what happens there. Uh, we don't know again. We don't know a whole lot about TV Plus. Um, it'll be this year, but you know all those specifics. Like I said, they were very light on specifics. It'll be interesting uh, to find out a timeline on that. My guess is probably later in the year. We'll see. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live um, for uh, for joining us. We always appreciate that. If you didn't and you would like to in the future, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. You can chat with us in the studio. Uh, if you did join us live and you'd like to re-listen to this later, you can always go to plugkidslive.com slash subscribe. Um, there you can see all of our social media, um, our live stream platforms, our um, our Apple and Google podcasts and all of that. We put it all in one place to make it easy for you. Uh, and uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, the middle of next month, well, closer to the end of next month, the 21st, we will be off uh, because of uh, First World Championships, but hopefully... If all goes right, obviously we never know what's going to happen <laughs> in our lives, but if everything goes right, uh, we will be on the air for the next couple of weeks for you. Uh, and so, I guess, with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Aver. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.